We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Nick, as the Thunder lose to the Charlotte Hornets 121-113. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Digging into this game, we'll start with some big picture takeaways. I think the biggest, most obvious thing is the lack of size that the Thunder have that's that's continuing to become more obvious, especially with Pokashevsky out of the lineup. Um, If you didn't see, he is out for at least six to eight weeks. He's going to be reevaluated after that six to eight week window. Uh, meaning he's going to be likely out for two plus months. I think he will come back this season at some point, but it was a leg injury. Um, I don't know if you call that significant or not, but at least it wasn't season ending. Um, good chance he comes back in February in that time frame, and uh, late February, early March and helps his team out. But with him not in the lineup anymore, not in the active lineup, um, the Thunder no longer have a seven footer. And what that presents is a challenge where Jalen Williams, who is a rookie, the Jalen Williams from Arkansas, Jay will, um, is going to have to play some significant minutes. Uh, I think that puts Mike Muscala in a situation where he's got to play more minutes than you'd like. Um, not that Mike's a bad player. He's more of a, a, a veteran stretch big. that's going to give you situational minutes off the bench. Um, he's going to be playing big minutes for this team as well. And the lack of size tonight was abundantly evident for the Thunder that it was a problem. And that's why Charlotte um, really took over this game in the paint. If you look at the um, the final statistics from a team point of view, um, I don't think it tells the full story because it ended up being 66-56 on points in the paint. Early in the game, it was something like 32-10 to 10 or something like that. So the, the Hornets got going early in the paint, same with the rebounding battle. The Hornets were a plus 11 on the boards tonight. Earlier in the game, um, they were pulling away quite a bit more. But the lack of size was a real problem. And if the Hornets, who 
don't have an elite front court rotation um, or able to cook the thunder in the paint. It just makes you think like New Year's Eve against the Sixers with Joel Embiid coming in. And to be clear, Joel Embiid cooks whoever's guarding him. I don't care which top defensive center that you put on him. I don't care what schemes you throw at him. Joel Embiid is balling on whoever. Um, but for this Thunder team moving forward, as good as they've been this year, like they are closer to the play-in than they are a tanking team at this point, at 15 and 20 after this loss. Um, it makes you wonder, what are they going to do over the next two months without Poku? I think they'll get JRE back before they get Poku back, which will be huge, even though he's undersized as well. Like He's not a natural center. He's more of a power forward that plays small ball center situationally. This team may struggle a bit. I think Mark's going to be really, really good about combating that. We've seen that all year long. Like Chet going down early in the season or before the season even started, um, you would assume this team would not be good uh, defensively, and you would assume this team would not be good on the boards. And they've been good at both. Like they're a top 10 rebounding and defensive team at this point in the season, at least before tonight. Um, and Mark's rotations, Mark's schemes, what he's done to this point has been really, really solid. It'll be really interesting to see what he does without Pokashevsky and without JRE over the, the foreseeable future, because tonight it showed as an even more glaring issue. Um, when you look at the individuals on the Charlotte Hornets and, and, and their front court, um, the, the two starters were Plumley and Washington. Uh, Plumley finished with 14 points and nine boards. Most of his 14 points were early in the game. I think he had like eight points in the first quarter. Uh, PJ Washington finishes with 25 points, five boards. Then you go to the bench, uh, Jalen McDaniels, 12 points, Mark Williams, the rookie. Um, who I think a lot of Thunder fans were super high on coming into the draft, although it didn't really make sense to select him with, with a lottery pick after taking Chet number two overall. Um, he had probably the best game of his young NBA career. He had, he had 17 and 13 in 21 minutes. Um, he was a perfect seven of seven from the floor. Just looked really, really good. And a lot of that was because of Thunder don't have any size. And while it has been a concern this season, it's going to be even more of a concern moving forward until they can get some of that front court depth back. They have to get real creative on how they're going to slow down some of the bigger front courts in the league that are going to be a lot better than the Charlotte front court. Um, they're, they're not a bad front court. Like you look at some of those names, they're not the biggest names in the league, but they're guys that can contribute. And when they go up against some of the, the bigger and better front courts moving forward, it'll be interesting to see if they can overcome that and combat that and figure out ways to win games without that size. Um, again, Poku is the only seven footer on this team um, with, with Chet out. And now that he's out, there's not a, a single seven footer on the Thunder roster. So Jay will and Muscala are going to have to play some pretty big minutes uh, for the foreseeable future from there. Another big takeaway is Josh Giddy's ability to get to the free throw line. Um, the Thunder at some point in the future are going to have to get some complimentary pieces around Shea. They can score at a high level. Um, I'm not concerned about it this season because the Thunder are not trying to win a championship this season. Um, they're going to have to get a guy or two that are close to 20 point per night scores. And with Josh and Lou, I think you've got two players that could average 15 a game. That's that's close to what they're doing now. But you need a guy that's a real 20-point threat. And whether that's Chet, whether that's someone they take in the drafts, whether that's someone they trade for, I think you'll get those pieces. 
but I'd like to see one of Josh or Lou also become a guy that can get to 20 points per night. Lou, I think it's obvious. Um, one of the ways he could emerge as a three point or as a, a 20 point per night score will be the three point shooting. Uh, he takes a lot of them. He doesn't always make a lot of them tonight. He did. He was five of seven in a 22 point outing. Um, same for Josh. Like if he can get a three point shot, that's another easy Avenue for him to become a 20 point per night score. But I think an easier way would be getting to the line. The best scores in the league find ways to draw fouls and get to the line. You see it time and time again. We watched it with James Harden for years in Houston. He would have a 35 point night on inefficient shooting from the floor, but it was because he had 19 free throw attempts. And you look at the top 10 scores around the league, all of them, every season, it's not just this season, every season, the top 10 scores are all great at getting to the line. That's why Shea this year has been a fantastic score, averaging, you know, 31 and change um, as a score. It's because he gets to the line and even on nights that he's not efficient, he can still give you 30 uh, on nights that he is efficient. He'll give you 40. Like that's just how it works. And that's something that young players have to learn through time. Like Shea was not the, the not only was he not the efficient free throw shooter he is this year in, in seasons past, he also didn't get to the line near as frequently. Um, if Josh can, can master that. And, and Mark talks about this all the time, like mastering the art of getting to the free throw line he will take that next step as a score. And I think he can become a 20 point per game score if he gets to the line more often. And tonight he did that. He got to the line seven times. He converted on all seven and that led to a 21 point performance. If Josh can continue to learn to get to the line, draw those fouls, use his bulky frame to get to the paint and then get into those bigger players and draw the foul. Like he will take his game to the next level he did that tonight. It shows you flashes of what he could be as a, he's never going to be an elite score. I don't think, but if he can be a guy that can on most nights, give you quite a few free throw attempts, he can be a guy that scores 20 a game. I think um, speaking of scoring another big takeaway, Trey man goes to the G league for a couple games, averages something absurd, like 37 and a half points through the two games. He was there ever since he's been back. He's looked like a different player. Like it was a big, confidence thing for him going to play for the blue and since he's come back he's looked much more comfortable he's he's taking shots that he may have passed up on he's not second guessing himself he's firing on shots that he should be taking Uh, but on the flip side of that 19 shot attempts tonight uh, probably not the biggest recipe for success as good of a score as he is and he went eight of 19 that's not horrible it's not good um but he was one of nine from three and scoring 17 points on 19 shot attempts. You never want to see your, your point output be lower than your field goal attempts. Um, so I think it's like a double-sided coin with Trey and tonight was like the epitome of it. You like to see the confidence. You don't like to see the inefficiency or him being the second leading shot taker on the team, but it's one game. Like I don't think Trey by any means will be, uh, moving forward, the guy that takes the second most shots on a regular basis. But it is good to see his confidence back. Um, had a huge poster dunk. Like he looks like he's having fun again on the court. So it's just another example of the Thunder leveraging that G League system to build confidence in guys. We saw it with, with Usman Jang earlier this season. Um, first couple weeks of the year before he went to the G League, looked kind of lost. The speed of the game was a little bit too quick. Wasn't able to process it, goes to the G League for a bit, comes back, wasn't 
like a, a an all rookie kind of guy by any means, but just looked more comfortable, uh, more confident, processed the game better. And so I like to see the the Trey Man experiment going to the G League, which Mark said was kind of a planned thing. That that G League showcase he went to has been on the calendar for a long time now. Um, it's good to see him come back and look like a different player. And and taking 19 shots, although it wasn't great, speaks to his confidence level because pre G League stint, he was passing up on shots. He wasn't taking a ton of shots. Uh, for a guy that's a natural scorer, that's going to be his role in the NBA for a long time. Good to see him do that. Um, pivoting to Dort, 22 points tonight, five of seven from three, like I mentioned. Um, for him, tonight really showed the inability to make the right decision at the third level. So you think about the first level, sort of breaking down the defender on the perimeter, second level, kind of that mid-range area. Once you break your defender down, you got to make the read. Um, do I continue to go towards the basket? Do I kick it out if I've been cut off? Don't think he's bad there. But when he gets to that third level where you're near the rim and it's like things you got to think about are, do I take the shot or do I pass it? If I'm taking the shot, what shot do I take? Am I floating it? Am I you know, kind of doing a Euro and getting to the end of the rim? Am I going to go through my defender and try to score layup through him? On the passing side, who do I kick it to? Um, is it a kick out to the corner for a three? Is it a dump off to a big? Like that decision making, that third level has been an issue for Dort. I think that's why you see a lot of layups that he smokes and just it, almost like he's throwing it off the backboard. Like a lot of his layups are just a little bit too strong. And I think that's because he gets to that third level, doesn't process quick enough on what do I do once I get here. And it forces them into a situation where he's taking a layup that he's not comfortable with, or it's a bad layup tonight. Even you saw a couple times where he would try to dump it off to a big and it got deflected. It got stolen. So for Dort, that, that was a glaring thing tonight. It's always been a thing with Dort. Um, his finishing at the rim has gotten better, but the decision-making when he gets to the rim is still something I think, I think he needs to work on. I think a lot of Thunder fans think of Lou Dort as a veteran on this team. And rightfully so, like he's one of the older guys. He's one of the more experienced guys. He's been around for, for the longest um, or, or one of the longest. And people think that like, why hasn't he figured it out yet? He's still a young player. He's got a lot of years left. I'm not concerned about Dort long-term, but the decision-making at the third level is something I want to see him get better at as the season goes on. And I think he can, but in the meantime, it just, it's just not been great. And it really showed tonight. Um, Fifth big takeaway, shout out Jacob Niffin. He is the biggest Darius Baisley minute watcher on earth. Always the first to tweet out when it's trending that he's going to get a DNP. And that is what happened tonight. Darius Baisley, uh, I believe, is the only active player that did not touch the floor tonight, which is actually really surprising considering the Poku injury. And I think a lot of folks assumed when Poku was was diagnosed with leg injury out six to eight weeks before being reevaluated, that meant more Baisley minutes. And early in the game, when Charlotte was dominating the paint and when Charlotte was getting more rebounds in the Thunder and the lack of size, the lack of front court depth and strength was apparent, the Thunder didn't turn to Darius Baisley. A game that a forward like Bays that can get rebounds and is a good defender in the paint, um, despite being undersized, still didn't play. Um, I don't know what that means for him long-term. I don't think anybody 
outside of the Thunder knows what that means for him long term. A lot of stuff happens behind closed doors. There's conversations with coaches around what they want to see him do differently, what they want to see him improve on. Is he not meeting those expectations? Is he not doing the things he's asked that he's being asked to do? Um, who knows? Like, I don't read this as I've seen people on Twitter say, oh, a DNP for Bays, that means he's definitely being traded. I don't think that's the case. Like, do I think Darius Baisley will be traded? I would probably lean more yes than no. Um, Sam Presti is notorious for getting something for his guys before losing them. Um, perfect example, Hamadou Diallo a couple of years ago was traded for, for Sfima Luke and a second round pick because whether it was um, he thought that he was going to be outbid on the restricted market or in previous negotiation um, for an extension, he felt Hami and his representation were asking for too much and they're, they're, they weren't going to meet a common ground. Whatever the situation is, if you don't think that a guy is, is going to be on your team long-term, like beyond the season, it makes sense to trade for an asset, even if it's a small asset, even if it was trading Darius Baisley for a guy that's not fitting out in his system across the league in a second round pick, or if it's Baisley for a second round pick straight up, um, that could happen. And that would make sense. But I don't think the DNPs indicate that he's for sure being traded. Like, in fact, if Darius Baisley is going to be traded, you would think that Thunder would like to play him to pump up his trade value, show that he's got the ability to do things on the floor versus a guy that's a DNP kind of sends the wrong message around the league. Um, not to dig and in, dive into the Darius Baisley rabbit hole, but just pointing out because Jacob would love it. Um, DNP for Bays tonight. It's just something to think about as we move forward on a night that Bays or a player like Bays could have been used. Um, didn't touch the floor at all. So just fifth big takeaway was, was Darius Baisley uh, DNP coach's decision. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Digging into the game... Slow start for the Thunder, um, which is not uncommon. The Hornets got out to a 7-0 lead early in the game. Um, at one point in the first, Lamella Ball had 10 of Charlotte's 17 points. Uh, Oklahoma City only had 12 at that point, so Lamella Ball was nearly outscoring the Thunder. Um, Plumley had eight points in the first seven minutes. We talked about him having 14 on the game. Eight of those were the first half of the first quarter. Just the, the dominance and the paint um the rebounding was just from the tip charlotte came out hot um from there the thunder had a little burst they pulled within three it was 25 22 um in large part due to a little run from sga um in the first quarter the points in the paint were 28 to 8 i talked earlier it was only a plus 10 for the hornets it was 66 56 points in the paint by the end of the game but early on 28 to 8 that's just that's just bad like the reason the hornets were leading in the first quarter um, was because of the points in the paint they shot 72 percent in the first quarter because all of their shots were in the paint they were perfect from inside the arc 14 of 14 on two point attempts in the first quarter um, they assisted on 11 of their 16 shot attempts the thunder only had three assists in the first quarter um, all that to say when you look at a team that is a plus 20 in the paint um, a plus eight on assists and are perfect inside the arc. You would think that the team they're playing would be down by a lot. And that wasn't the case. The Thunder were only down 36 to 30, all things considered being down six in the first quarter. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, um, it was almost a blessing for the Thunder. From there, quarter two, Mark Williams starts cooking. Hornets lead by as much as 10, although they did start to cool off from the floor. This is where Trey Mann really started to emerge um, he looked really, really good at the end of the first quarter in the first part of the second quarter. He had 11 of his 17 points in the first 12 minutes of the game. Um, middle of the, the second quarter, SJ starts getting to the line. He's starting to make things happen. Um, the, the team's really starting to play well towards the middle of the second quarter. They pull within one at 51 to 50. And then from there, SJ finishes the first half, just getting buckets at the rim. Um, with 30 seconds left, it's tied at 57. It was the first time all night long. So 30 seconds left in the first half was the first time the Thunder were not trailing. They tied it up. Um, and then the three-pointer for Mike Muscala with like 0.1 seconds left in the first half put the Thunder up by three going into the half. And that was their first lead of the entire game. So the Thunder won the second quarter 30-21. to 21. So they scored 30 points in both of the first two quarters. The only difference was quarter one, Charlotte scores 36 Quarter two, Charlotte scores 21. So the defense prevailed in the second quarter and the Thunder had the lead at halftime. Uh, from there, second half, kind of a messy, fast pace, running gun. Start to the third quarter. It was back and forth. Things stayed close. Giddy came alive a little bit in the third quarter offensively. Uh, PJ Washington really starts to come alive as well. Um, OKC was down seven, um, kind of the midpoint in the third quarter but then had a 7-0 run over like a 59-second span and tied the game at 77. From there, really back and forth until the end of the third quarter. Charlotte won the third quarter um, and ultimately were up by one point entering the fourth quarter, 85-84. Um, the third quarter Thunder did not show up tonight. 
if you look at the Thunder's net rating or point differential in the third quarter versus every other quarter, like that's the reason they're winning games this year. I think they're a negative net rating in quarters one, two, and four, and they're a wildly positive uh, third quarter team. And that didn't happen tonight. And that may be another reason they um, couldn't come out with a win tonight. If they would have been the typical third quarter Thunder, they would have gone into the fourth with a significant lead, but that didn't happen. Uh, from there, slow start to the fourth, quite a few fouls. It was sloppy again. That was kind of a theme uh, beginning of the third and fourth quarter, just kind of a messy game. Two teams that don't have a ton of wins, two teams that are relatively young or at least have you know primary playmakers and primary scorers that are young. Um, it was 98-95 with about seven and a half minutes left. That's when SGA checks in. Still goes back and forth. Like the whole second half was really just back and forth. Nobody could could break away. It was 101 to 101 with five minutes left. PJ Washington scores five points in a one minute span, which puts Charlotte up 108, 103. Terry Rogier hits a couple free throws, 110, 103. Um, Plumley hits a layup, which is which is the final points of a 9-0 run for the Hornets, putting them up 112-103. The game is seemingly over at that point. It's a nine-point lead, super late in the fourth. Um, but Josh Giddy hits a quick layup. Lou Dort knocks down a triple. At that point, it's a four-point game. But then LaMelo Ball um, kind of had the dagger three, and then he stole it, kicked it over to Rogier for a layup in transition, which put the game away as Charlotte regained that nine-point lead. And that's where we landed on a 121-113 to final with the Hornets taking the cake. Um, Thunder are now 15 and 20 on the season. We gave our player of the game to Trey Mann, um, who again had 17 points. But with the poster dunk that he had, if you haven't seen it, get on Twitter, search Trey Mann dunk. I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, drove the lane, rose up over Jalen McDaniels, and and threw it down. He's a guy that over his two seasons with the Thunder. I don't think he's known as like a dunker around the league. Like the the broadcast crews, when you listen to the opposing broadcast crews, when he dunks, um, they're always kind of surprised. I don't think they realize like Trey Mann is legit 6'5". When you go stand next to him, he's a big dude for a guard. Um, he's had a few highlight dunks early in his Thunder career, and tonight was, was one of the biggest. Um, and that poster dunk, I gave him the player of the game. Although he wasn't efficient, just seeing him feel comfortable, feel confident, um, pull the trigger when he got the opportunity and throw that throw down that dunk. He got the uh, the player of the game. A couple of Twitter questions before we wrap up. Um, I'll summarize them, but one of the ones that we got, because they're actually kind of long, you guys are sending some long Twitter questions. Um, essentially what it asked is, um, with how well SGA is playing this season, are the Thunder wasting his talent by not bringing in a center. I think the tweet said miles Turner because the Thunder have a million picks. Just go get him. Um, SJ needs a co-star. I would argue miles Turner is not a co-star, um, but I do think they, they need a center. Like they're, they're at a fork in the road where they're entering the new year. Like regardless of what happens in the Philly game, like Philly's a great team. Thunder will probably lose that game. Oklahoma city has a real shot of making the play in. Um, like I said, they're closer to the play in than they are the bottom of the lottery. Um, they're going to have to make a decision at the trade deadline. Like, do does the team want to 
try to push for the, like, there's no guarantees. Like you, you don't want to give up a bunch of assets and, and not make the play in for a rental like Miles Turner. But the team has to decide, do they want to make a marginal move and get a veteran center? That's a true center. I'm not talking Mike Muscala, who's I love and he's great. And he's a floor spacer, but a traditional center that can protect the paint and can gobble up rebounds. Or do the Thunder just play it out? Like, like Poku may not come back until early to mid to late March. Like, who knows after he's reevaluated? Um, and in the meantime, until JRE gets back, and even when he gets back, he's not a guy you want to see be the starting center long term. Probably he's only six nine. Um, do they make a move? And I think yes, it makes sense, but I don't think you get a guy that's that's a rental unless you're just giving up like a second that you're not gonna. Um, lose sleep over if, if the guy walks or doesn't work out. Um, but I would like to see the Thunder pull in a center, like somebody just to see what Shea and what Josh look like and what J-Dub look like with a lob threat that can vertically space the floor, protect the paint. Um, it would be interesting to see this team because they've been really, really good on the glass and defensively um, without a real big. And I think this team would be fun to watch if they had a, a traditional center on the roster. The other question, can Shea and Josh coexist? Yes, um, they can. I think it's recency bias. There's there's some games where it doesn't look like it's working. There's been other games where it's like, wow, these two guys can both um, score the ball. They can both pass the ball. Uh, Josh is an incredible rebounder. Shea's a good positional rebounder. Um, they're both big for their position. Like you look at Shea at 6'6", Josh at 6'8", 6'9". Like that could be a super, super good duo for a long, long time. Um, Josh is, I think tonight was his 84th game. Um, this is spitballing here. He's probably played less than 50 games, somewhere between 30 and 50 games with Shea. Um, I don't think it's even worth having the conversation of whether Shea and Josh can coexist until they play more games together. And the fact that they've probably played less than 50 games, I'm not even going to try to dig into it because it's just not worth it. Like, like if they played 200 games together and couldn't figure it out, sure. But they're so young. Um, they haven't played much together uh, at the end of this season. Maybe we, we revisit that conversation. Um, but for now, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, last thing here, Teo comes back um, to play the Thunder tonight. What an OKC, but it was, it was still good to see him back. Um, 12 minutes. 0 of 2 from the floor, 0 of 1 from 3. He did have four assists. One turnover was a minus 6 on the night. Um, wish him, or sorry, a minus 1 on the night. Uh, no, minus 6, minus 6. Um, wish him nothing but the best. Um, with how many guards are on this team, it just made sense to to part ways with him when he was traded over the summer. Um, he's a guy that I think will be a fine player for the foreseeable future. I don't think he's going to have a... 15 year NBA career, but it was good. It's always good to see those former Thunder guys come back and play against their old team. He got 12 minutes tonight. So um, good to see you again, Teo. Long story short. Um, so moving forward, following a seven game home stint, the Thunder were in Charlotte tonight. So it was just a one, one, one game road trip away from Paycom Center before going back to OKC. So the New Year's Eve matchup will be. Um, eight out of nine games at home for the Thunder. They'll take on the Sixers. Like I mentioned, Joel Embiid will probably have a field day, or maybe the Sixers will rest Joel Embiid. Who knows? Like Maybe they'll say we can beat the Thunder without Joel. Um, but from there, they'll actually be off until Tuesday. 
when they host the Boston Celtics. The Thunder will get a couple of days off to start the new year. They go out, have fun. They'll get a few recovery days um, before they host Boston back at home once again. Uh, like I said, Tuesday of next week. We'll be with you guys on Sunday, I believe. I know it's it's a holiday time, but I think we'll be podcasting on Sunday. Um, but until we see you guys then, you're up. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.